No, it's fucking problematic as misery business is. That song is fucking catchy as shit and it bangs. Like, you know what then? By all means, do an instrument to cover or read the lyrics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's a bitch and it's fine because that dude's a tool. Misery business. (laughs) I was walking with the ghost. Hey. Talking like a team. Yeah. Um, full disclosure, I'm like sick as a dog. And I actually think that um, the patrons of the supermarket I went to, I think they were actually concerned because I went in like with a hoodie and I was just sweating buckets. Oh, God. At the self-checkout. And she kept staring at me. And it's like, I'm here every night. So I don't think it's like, but she was staring like she was concerned. Not for her safety, but for mine. And like I come home and even I Kylie she's like, Oh my god, you're sweating buckets. I'm like, Yeah, no kidding. Like my clothes are soaked. Also, full disclosure, um, I remember I was testing you earlier because I decided to just have a vodka and like cran lemonade. That sounds hella delicious. It's super refreshing. And I was like, Oh, this is a really good trick. Like, oh shit, this is the podcasting. So let me, of course, drink like this whole can of Mountain Dew, but then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, I'm sick. So, I mean, probably like honey and lemon. So, I don't know how all three of those things are going to work. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. How did I not know that Chris Walla uh, co-produced Sainthood? I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I was supposed to have, like, listened to more of, like, New Teen Sarah, but I ended up going back to Sainthood because, well... <laughs> because you're you. I'm me, <laughs> and I'm, like, kind of addicted to that album. But I did listen <laughs> to it. And, all right, so... Last time we talked, um, we had talked about, what was it, uh, Beautiful Garbage. Yes. Which was, what, their third album? Yes. So we, I think at the end of the episode, we were talking about maybe doing um, the Godzilla soundtrack. Yeah, we talked about doing the Godzilla soundtrack, and then Spotify failed us. Right, and I know I own that somewhere. I have the CD of that, but I had not been able to locate it. So we're like, you know, we'll switch it up, and I know what the first episode or second episode we were like oh yeah adrian's gonna listen to heartthrob yeah then i was like all right cool listen heartthrob since that's one of the tegan and albums i have not really listened to in depth ended up listening to love you to death and forgot about heartthrob so apologies (laughs) so i did go back listen heartthrob and i realized something about myself like you know how like they say like when you hit your 30s supposedly like you stop listening to music yes I think what they mean is you stop giving a shit about the music you listen to. Mm-hmm. I admit, this is not that long ago when Heartthrob came out being like, not like in a, oh, they sold out or they're dead to me kind of thing. It was just more of a, this definitely has a fan base. I'm not among them. So I think I'm going to kind of bow out. And I was happy for them because it was cool that they generally had like a new audience and seemed to be really having fun. And I know they've gone on record to say that. They had to sort of grow because I guess where they were as far as the whole indie rock thing, it was kind of stifling. Right. So I was generally happy for both of them and it looked like they were having a lot of fun. I just have this weird relationship with pop music. And then I realized the pop music that I have an aversion to, I don't know why it is only because I grew up listening to shit pretty much like this. 
because mm-hmm. most of the stuff that I listened to in the 80s as a kid is cheesy pop music. So I don't know why all of a sudden now in my 30s was there such an issue. So I actually just had to listen to it and it's like, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but I also realized I'm a sad sack. So I think Love You to Death ended up winning me over only because it was like Heartthrob was almost too cheerful for me. At least from a Sonic standpoint, like it was almost too upbeat. The curmudgeon me couldn't allow it. I need my sad pop music. And you mentioned that to me where you were like, I think I like Love You to Death more than Heartthrob. And I was just kind of like, hmm, do I like Love You to Death more than Heartthrob? So I've spent the last like two days listening to both albums and yes, but also no. (laughs) You know what it is to me? When they made that transition into a more pop-oriented sound, you know, they're obviously were behind it 100% of the way, but I feel like Love You to Death, there's not as much trepidation. Like, it's not a matter of, is this going to work or not? It's like, they're in. There's a little bit less fear in the album, and I think, to me, that's not a problem. Like, you know, like I said, Heartthrob is a great album, but I feel like Love You to Death makes good on that promise of that new sound in a, a, a much more concise way if that makes sense it totally makes sense and the thesis statement and the intent of heartthrob was to make a commercially pop album and they did that and i think the intent and the thesis statement behind love you to death was to sort of perfect that right exactly and they do so well and i think even between instrumentation like the vocals it's such a just solid groove and maybe not in a overtly way that Heartthrob was. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little bit more subtle. I don't know. Like, it just it just worked better for me. I, so here's kind of where I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. I think Love You to Death on the whole is a better album. I think this is just for me personally. Um, I think the songs that I think are great from Heartthrob are better than the songs I think are great from Love You to Death. But I also think the songs that don't work for me as well on Heartthrob don't work for me way more than the other album, if that makes sense. Like, the highs are higher and the lows are lower. I can see that. Like, I get what you're saying, and I would have to disagree, but I feel like, I don't know, I have this weird thing with pop music where the more in-your-face it is, it's almost off-putting. Okay. And it's weird, though, the stuff that I do find myself enjoying, like, you know, the other night, after years of protest, you know, because older siblings, and I just put on Spice World and going, you know what, this is actually a much better album than I remember. And, of course, remembering most of the lyrics and being like, you know, for what was as commercial pop as it could get at the time, this is all really good stuff. And I don't know, maybe it's just like that weird protest that I always put up when it comes to music, like one would find on Heartthrob. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always just like when bands get just a little darker. And I always think about, like, let's say churches. Okay. Every Open Eye, to me, musically, it wasn't as bouncy of an album as, like, the bones of what you believe it mm-hmm. was. Or even, like, what's the, the latest one? Love is Dead, which is probably, like, the poppiest that churches has been. That shit's so fucking good, by the way. It's so fucking good, right? <laughs> I was looking at the other day. It's like, God damn, it's so good. And that's kind of my point, where it's like, okay. Love is Dead, I, the cantankerous jerk in me would first listen to that and turn it right off, but it just works so well. So that's why, to me, I couldn't reconcile. So if I'm okay with Love is Dead, 
then why is Heartthrob so hard for me to get into? This album loses me in the back half for sure. I think the first five tracks on it are really good. And I think it's another album that sort of suffers from the way that it's structured. But in like looking at the track list, I don't know how I would fix it. I couldn't figure it out. Maybe it was less about song structure. I mean, it's 10 tracks. So it's not a a long album by any means. No. And even the longest song is just a shade over four minutes. Yes. Like you you said, the highs are higher and the lows are lower. Mm -hmm. But the total package, I feel like it is a little more inconsistent. And I a thousand percent agree with you. You know, and we've had this with Tika and Sarah because I used to feel the same way about So Jealous, mm-hmm. where I used to feel like in the wake of If It Was You, that somehow So Jealous was a, we grabbed, I mean, granted that's 14 tracks, but yet those 14 tracks, there's so much personality in them mm-hmm. that I don't find myself skipping as much as I do now than I did, when, let's say, when it very first came out. I struggled, which is hilarious now because it's one of my favorite albums in existence. Um, I struggled with The Con when The Con came out. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is a shocking revelation. <laughs> I don't Honestly, I don't know anybody who struggled with The Con because that album was just like, holy shit, from top to bottom. They did so many things sort of differently with the vocals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the harmonies were sort of higher and it felt differently produced than So Jealous. I didn't love it immediately. And I love it now. I think a lot of that comes into like something I've always talked about, at least just in and of myself, was challenging listens. Mm -hmm. Like, I never trust an album if I'm too into it from the beginning. Which is why I feel like I say this now, but with some time, I feel like Heartthrob is going to become really heavy in my rotation. Because I used to do this all the time where uh, when I used to go buy CDs... You know, I usually have enough money to buy, like, at least two. One CD that I'd buy would be, like, the ones that I really wanted. So I'm trying to think of an example of this. Best example I can think of is uh, Relationship of Command at the drive-in. I bought that the same time as Marvelous 3's Hey Album. Okay. So Marvelous 3 at the time, I was huge into, and that album I loved. And I remember the local rock station used to play Freak of the Week all the time. Love that single to death. Like, it was kind of my theme song. I had heard maybe, I think, One Arm Scissor by um, at the drive-in once on, like, MTV. And it's like, what the hell is this? This is stupid. The hell with this album? Why are they yelling? This isn't that serious. Like, relax. <laughs> but then I couldn't turn away from it. Every time, like, it'd come on MTV, I'd focus a little bit more. Like, the volume would get up a little bit higher. So I'm like, fuck, I think I like this album now. So I went and then bought both of them at the same time. So there's, like I said, the one that I definitely wanted to get was Marvelous 3. So I listened to that all the time, kind of ignored that to drive in. One day I pop it in, first track, I could have thrown the CD across the room. It's like, what is this noise? <laughs> like, I just could not get into it. And I think I was just protesting too much. I'm like, you actually really like this stuff. But it's like, who are you fronting for? Like, no one's judging you on this. Get into this music. And then what was the song? Pattern Against User. I don't know what that song did, but oh my god, it's so fucking good. From those first couple of drum rolls to like to to the hey, like and then as it like the guitars rip in, 
it just had me and I could not stop listening to that. And then suddenly I kept going back to Marvelous 3 being like, why can't you be like them? <laughs> What's wrong with you, Butch Walker? Why are you so so alternative Rocky? Why can't you grow your hair out and get obscurely political? Be oh better. God. Be angrier. Butch Walker. That is a name that I have not heard in a very long time. Oh, like what was that song he had? Was it mixtape? Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, that song makes me so angry because uh, when I worked at FYE at the time, when that song came out, it would loop all day. It was infuriating. Oof. It's a fine song, like to hear once. The idea of like having to listen to it 26 times in a four hour shift kind of. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, also, the, the bridge used to make me a little squeamish. Yeah. And it's like that one line, I'm like, mm, Butch, we need to talk. <laughs> this, this song didn't age well. It's <laughs> Problematic fave, Butch Walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we, we're going to have so many of those in the course of however long this lasts. But... Oh, for sure. So, what songs did you like from Heartthrob? Shit, now I gotta remember song titles. There's this thing called Spotify. It's pretty cool. I know. Now I'm trying to remember. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how sick I am. I didn't realize you were just making fun of me just now. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Like, wait a minute. That was. <laughs> no, that was advertising. Hey, Spotify, pay us. I mean, if we were sponsored by Spotify, that would be kind of amazing. Yeah. Hey, Spotify, pay us. So, closer, meh. Drove Me Wild, though, is my shit. Okay. You know, Drove Me Wild is great. Now I'm all messed up. I'm like, I just, damn it, you did this. <laughs> I win. And I was like, this was the weird part, because as much as I tried to listen to Heartthrob, I kept listening to Love You to Death. Like, I kept switching over. Mm-hmm. But Drove Me Wild, I to me, is the best song on this album. It's the second best song on this album. I respectfully disagree. But what is, okay, what is your pick, though? I'm Not Your Hero is the best song on this album. Oh, shit. <laughs> I need to actually hear this now. Okay. Actually, I didn't realize you could do this. This is kind of fun now. <laughs> and this sucks, though, because anything that comes through here, I can't keep. Right. I can't hear anything. Oh, can you not? No, I can't. Okay, I'm actually just listening to it now. That's fine. Okay, I do remember this now. That is the second best song on the album. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> You have them flipped. You're doing it wrong, but it's fine. You're doing it wrong. Like, no, come on. If they switch the track listing on that, like, I feel like I'm Not Your Hero would be a nice kind of closer or at least nice little follow-up to Drove Me Wild. I'm Not Your Hero is right before Drove Me Wild. Right. So, I, But I feel like it would be a stronger song if it went after. If you flipped it? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, what's the Green Day song? Uh, like, let's say Brains 2. Um, like, if you don't listen to Jaded right afterwards, we can't be friends, first of all. Okay. Because those two are pretty much one song. But <laughs> it'd be like the idea of listening to Jaded without listening to Brains 2 or having Jaded start then cut into Brains 2. So it's like if you played We Are the Champions and then We Will oh, Rock, we'll rock you. you. Yeah, like it just... Oh, that's another one. That's actually a much better analogy because, yeah, you cannot listen to We Will Rock You and then somehow not listen to We Are the Champions. Like, it just is not allowed. Freddie Mercury will haunt you in your sleep if you decide to. <laughs> like, And you can listen to We Are the Champions on its own. Yes. But you cannot listen to We Will Rock You by itself. It's just not done. 
We have spoken. <laughs> this is law. <laughs> it, it might as well be. Yeah, I know I'm going to get into this album. I know I'm going to like it, but there's just something about it. I felt like I personally was trying too hard instead of just letting it happen naturally. This is the only research I did for this entire album, I promise. I took no notes. I did nothing. Really? Um, oh, no. <laughs> You told me we were doing an episode in which I didn't have to take notes, so I didn't. Oh, um, crap. I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> but. I'm sick, Ashley. Don't hold me at my word. How dare you hold me at my word? How dare you trust no. your friend? Okay, so <laughs> there was something about Not Your Hero. I kept listening to it, and I'm like, I really like the way that the drums sound on this this particular song. I wonder what the deal is with that. So I went and I looked, and... um it's the only song that he's engineered and mixed for them. Billy Bush did this song. Really? The engineering and shit. If you don't know who Billy Bush is, um, he's probably engineered and mixed any number of your favorite alternative albums or songs, including basically all of Garbage's catalog, because Billy Bush is Shirley Manson's husband. What? Wait a minute. Hold, yeah. hold the fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. How long have they been married? 2010. Really? Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. How did I? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It was one of those where like I saw the name and I looked at it and I'm like, I can't be the same dude. And then I clicked the little wiki link and was like, yeah. Hey, what do you know? And it's the same dude. But yeah, this was the only song that he did for this album. I think it's the only song he's done with Tegan and Sarah, actually. Really? Rob Cavallo produced uh, Love They Say? Because didn't Rob Cavallo, like, pretty much produce, like, a whole bunch of Green Day? Yes. And Drawbreaker. Which, I don't know. I think he would have done better with them, like, Sainthood era. Not Yeah, but then we also had this discussion, and I think we both kind of agreed that we're not super, like, fond of Rob Cavallo's producing. Yeah. I think for the most part, the stuff that he's produced has not been stuff that I've been a huge fan of. But it's weird. He's worked with a lot of people I am a fan of, but there's something, you know what it is? It's too slick. Oh my god, how 1998 is this? He produced um, Uninvited by Alanis Morissette for the City of Angels soundtrack. Alright, I'm gonna just look. First off, I will fight anybody who does not agree that that song is not in the top five Alanis Morissette songs of all time. That song is fucking gorgeous, but it also sounds super 90s. It does. I'm, but Oh my god, that song's so good! Wait, wasn't that also the same year that uh, Suppose Former Infatuation Junkie came out? Yeah, and that album of fucking rules, and I will fight anybody that says otherwise. I will be the Robin to your Batman and help you fight people. Hell yeah. Oh my god, how do you not love that album? I'm, you know what, no, here we go, hot take, hot take, hot fucking take. That album, arguably, you know what, no, not arguably, it is better than Jack and Little Pill. Don't, un- don't unsubscribe to us if... <laughs> <laughs> Um, for everyone that just left, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. You're not You're uninvited. <laughs> I, I can't even like hit those notes, but oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. Um, can we add that album to the list? Wait, what? You're talking about Suppose Former Infatuation Junkie? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about the other one. That album's been talked to death. I don't want to talk about no, that. No, we can definitely add, please, by all means, add that to the list when we're done. Add it now if you want to, because okay. <laughs> uh, just so you know, when we get to joining you, uh-huh. I'm not allowed to speak because, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> like, Alana's did the damn thing on that, and people who said it was a sophomore slump need to be fired. 
I really liked that album. I really liked the album she did after that album, which I can picture the cover in my brain, but I cannot Was it So Called Chaos? I think so. Hold on, let's look that up. I'm looking. <laughs> it's a race. Uh, uh, well, I just more set discography because I'm slow. Good lord. Record more live albums, Jesus. Oh, Under Rug Swept. Okay, yes. I totally skipped an album. That album is my shit. It's so good. Was Hands Clean on that? Yes. Okay, that is a dope album. I don't remember a lot of it. It's been a long time since I've listened to it, but I remember enjoying it immensely. I love the hell out of so-called chaos. I mean, 80s Steps Alone is such a banger of a song. Like, between that and, like, what was the other song that was on there? Out is Through, Everything. Oh, there's so many good singles on so-called chaos. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Focus. <laughs> I don't know how he fell in his rabbit hole, but now I just kind of want to talk about Lawrence Brissett the whole time. <laughs> so-called chaos was the last one that I remember listening to. But that makes sense. The next album was the acoustic version of Jagged Little Pill. And then there was an album she put out in 2008 that I do not recognize anything from. Not for any sort of like quality issues, but sometimes you just kind of fall out with certain artists. Like you kind of don't follow them. Oh, no. I was busy being a hipster scene kid douche in 2008. So. Oh, well, so was I. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so yours happened a little bit later than mine. So there's like about a four year difference between your hipster douchebag era and mine. So, okay. That's not bad. To be fair, you are a few years older than I am. So it probably hit us. It probably hit us at the same age. Right. So what is it like? What, a four year difference? Because I'm 31. Yeah. So I'm 34. So. Okay. Well, there you go. Ha. Uh-huh. We figured it out. <laughs> we <laughs> cracked <it>. the code. <laughs> um, now we listen to a lot of, can we just like vibe out and listen to a lot of more stuff for the rest of the night? Like, <laughs> we. We can. Let's just finish this first. You wanted to talk about the covers album. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Do we want to get into that? Because um, I got some... Mm. Um, I don't remember hating this album as much as I do. Hate is a strong word. But, but I really, know, really, really don't like it. <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Hey. That was a really funny and super relevant reference I just made. <laughs> Be proud of me. I'm always proud of you, but like, <laughs> I hard agree, but I'm just like, okay, let me just ask you this. Like, obviously there's no right or wrong, but like to me, to you, what is like your, like an example to you of like a perfect cover song? This is definite recency bias. Um, you and I were talking about Passion Pit the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was listening to Manners today when I was at work. Great album. Um, there's a cover of Dreams by the Cranberries on it that is awesome because they managed to do justice to the song, like to respect the song and where it comes from, but also sort of add their own spin to it. So it's not just like Cranberries karaoke. Um, the song sounds like a could be a passion pit song it doesn't feel weird it's real good (laughs) (laughs) but i I agree like that's kind of that tough part about covers because if you're too far off it's like why did you bother with this and i yeah 
But then if it's too close, like you said, it's like karaoke, which is yeah. why despise is a hard word. But I strongly, it almost makes me angry. Um, Weezer's cover of Africa. Uh, no, um, hate. Hate is a strong word and I mean it so much. Weezer's cover of Africa is almost like a musical version of the Uncanny Valley. Where it's almost like that CGI, it's almost like the music equivalent of like CGI from like Polar Express. Yes. Where it's like, this looks real, but it's not real. It's not a human, oh my god, this is, someone help me, I'm scared. Because <laughs> it's almost so faithful to the original, but there's like, I don't know if it's just like the range is off, or just like the, the chord, like there's just... It seriously feels like Rivers just went to like karaoke. And wanted to do it and recorded it and was like, new song, Lambo. But it's it's like slightly off key from the original where I can't unnotice it and it <laughs> it hurts my soul. I think he may have like tuned it down because he can't hit the notes or something. That's probably it, which, okay, fair. <laughs> but even like with live performances of songs, sometimes that happens. Yeah, and- for sure. And as much as I admit, like, it makes perfect sense and I know why it's done, my ears have a hard time processing it. Well, because you've heard the original, the way that the original sounds in its original key for, that song's like 30 years old. I know, but it's like, just keep the song the way that the Lord Jesus Christ meant it to be played. Right. <laughs> and leave, and leave it like, Weezer, why did you do this? And then I didn't realize it was a whole fucking album of covers. Yes. Like, okay, when Africa came out, so I'm like, oh my God, this is weird, but all right, he got out of his system. Cool. I'll just wait for whatever other album I'm going to ignore. I didn't realize there was going to be a whole album of like covers like this. I'm like, no. Yeah. Um. Their cover of Rosanna. I don't even want to know. That, to me, is... All right, another hot take. Rosanna is the quintessential Toto song. I don't yes. give a fuck what anybody thinks. Um, Africa, meh. Hold the line is good, but <laughs> it, it's a damn good song, but it's not Rosanna. Oh, man. Um, God, that's keyboard solo. And he starts snapping. <laughs> hold the line is my fucking shit, though. It's so good. It's but so it's good. Not, it's like... It's like, this is neck and neck race where it's like the running shoe is just a smidge over the line. Do you read, or did you read, because this was like five or six years ago, I think at this point, uh, Questionable Content, the webcomic? Yes. Um, That whole, there was like a little storyline where it was a lot of Toto references. They like tie it in with this like emotional, beautiful way because he's awesome. He's a great writer. But there's one comic where they're all talking about their favorite Toto song and then pint size, the little robot of chaos runs in and just screams like the best song is hold the line. You fucks. And that's me every time. Oh yeah. The con covers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all these bum me out like every single fucking last one. of Wait, them. Wait, really? All of them? There are a few that I like better than others, but there are maybe like three songs on this album that I legitimately enjoy. Which are? The cover of I Was Married is really good. Because that is a song that is well suited for the style that she sort of takes it. Where it's stripped down to like pianos and strings. And I could see if you remove the vocal performance from it. I could see somebody using it at a wedding. It's just like a really like beautiful arrangement of it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, And her vocal performance is great. The Cindy Lauper one, I like. I have one complaint about it. 
And I want to know why they mixed the vocals so low. Okay, because that was going to be one of my picks for one of my favorites, but I'm glad someone else picked up on that. Like, was that a was that deliberate? I don't know, because Cindy Lauper can fucking sing. She has a crazy powerful voice. Why you would mix it so low to the point where there are parts where you can't hear her. It was just a really weird choice. I know almost nothing about her performing the song or anything like that. I don't know if she wasn't familiar with it or what the deal was. First off, City in Color, Dallas. <laughs> what the? And I've yelled at Dallas Green a lot today, and I don't know what it is. Like, I'm still harboring his grudge from when Alexis on Fire broke up, and it's like he's got this great voice that to me is just meant for heavy music. Because anytime he tries to go acoustic, especially with the city and color stuff, sounds like maybe two songs. It's just so overwrought and just self-indulgent. There's only one city and color song that I like. And it's one of the ones that everybody knows. The Hello, I'm in Delaware. That's the only one I like. The only one I actually like is Coming Home. That one, Hello, I'm in Delaware. It's like, all right, cool. You're in Delaware. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Jersey. Or when they came out. But it's like. <laughs> cool story, Dallas. But this cover of Hoppa Planet's like, what is this? It's for somebody, but it's not for me. And even like Haley Williams cover of 19 is like, what are we doing? Okay. Haley, you're better than this. So every time I hear Haley Williams cover, it reminds me of somebody sitting down in a studio in front of a keyboard trying to figure a song out. It doesn't sound finished. <laughs> not for nothing. A lot of these songs kind of had that feeling. And I hate it. Was it rushed? Was there like a weird deadline kind of thing? I mean, I know they released it around the 10th anniversary of the album. The Burn Your Life Down cover that Bleachers did. It sounded like a song that was just kind of like stuck in that like beginning thing that Bleachers always does where it like builds to the actual song. Like the beginning part of Come a Little Closer. Like, before all the drums and shit kick in. Right. That's what that whole song sounded like. I kept waiting for the drums to kick in, and nothing ever did. The Church's cover, I kept waiting for that to kick in, and it never did. And I'm like, come on now. Church's is a band that is made to cover Tegan and Sarah, because they do pretty similar stuff. Exactly. But Church's kind of comes at it from a different angle. Like, it's still, like, very, like, synth-heavy pop music, but Church's feels a little dirtier and like more dangerous but even like the grimes cover and you know speaking of problematic faves i'm sorry i fucking love grimes <laughs> i know she's said and done some wild stuff and it's like i can't help it like she's so much fun and i'm really looking forward to this new album but even her cover was i was trying to find some notes on the production but everybody's covers kind of sound like incomplete i don't know like i don't really know where to fall on it it's a really cool idea. And Tegan and Sarah have worked with some really cool bands and some really like diverse bands to where like this should have been a really cool album and a really like diverse and fun album to listen to. And it's just kind of not. Everything just kind of sounds like sad since. Maybe if it were a cover of just Tegan and Sarah's songs up to that point, because kind of going back to what you were saying before, the con isn't exactly an easy album to get into. No. Even hearing what Tegan and Sarah have said about that album, like, to this day, it was definitely an interesting experience writing and recording it. Everything's just put on the table. 
So to have people do covers of songs that are so like nakedly honest, unless you're coming at it with that same level of honesty, this is not exactly an album that you want to do a superficial cover to. I find myself wondering if it was a cash grab because there was a lot of press that kind of came along with this. They did a tour. They released a book, like a coffee table book, I think. And this album came out. I don't know if that's the answer. It's just a thought that I have said aloud. The way I feel with the con, and again, this is less about the material on the album. Mm. It felt like an end of an era. It felt like if you had been following their discography and their career from the very beginning up to this point, this is it. Like This is kind of like the, the final act, so to speak, on their career as it was. Sainthood is like that transition album of we're slowly starting to get towards a poppier sound. The more I listen to like Red Belt, it could have existed on So Jealous, but it doesn't sound too much different from what would end up being on, like, let's say, Levy to Death or Heartthrob. Mm-hmm. And also Red Belt's just a fucking great song. <laughs> That's a fun thing, too, is to go back to Sainthood, knowing what came next knowing that Heartthrob was the next album, and sort of trying to listen for the whispers of that creative direction that would become Heartthrob. Because they're there if you are looking for them. Right. And there's also like elements of what came before it. So it's like you're listening to the past, present, and future. And part of me does wonder, you know, especially when you listen to something like North Shore, like Tegan and Sarah would have tore shit up if they just went out and just made like a pop punk album. Yeah. And part of me still wonders if that'll ever happen, because honestly, I used to not be a huge fan of song, but I think you kind of turned me around on that. <laughs> Doing the covers, it was a nice retrospective. Okay, yes, it had been 10 years, but you could have just done like covers of any Tegan and Sarah song from that era. It's strange to me because like this album, it's not even like showcasing like where music has gone in those 10 years. I just am like really struggling to sort of understand the intent behind it. Certain songs just aren't for certain people. And even if, like, let's say, for instance, if I even had to choose, like, if I had to redo this, I don't even know if I could even pick to say, like, well, Deerhoof should do Papa Play. It's like, no, I don't know. Um, I, I would have no idea. Like, if someone were like, all right, if you feel that the album is not <laughs> to your liking, what would it take to change it to make it better? I don't even know. But personally, I feel like, I would have maybe, if anything, done like a covers of like, I don't know, So Jealous or something that's a little easier to cover. Yeah, because these are tough songs. The Alkaline Trio cover of Wake Up Exhausted is so good. It's probably like you were asking earlier about perfect covers, and that might be up there because they managed to respect where the song comes from and respect the roots of the song while adding their own sort of twist to it. And again, it sort of cheats in that, like, they're there to help sing it. But it's just so fucking good. Right. And if you didn't know any better, you would almost think that's an Alkaline Trio song. Yeah. Which is crazy, because, like, your average Alkaline Trio song sounds nothing like your average Deacon and Sarah song. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's This is okay. You know what? That would be great. Deacon and Sarah should totally do a covers album. Of an Alkaline Trio album. <laughs> also, I want Deerhoof to perform a version of Hoppa Plate. 
Yeah, now that I said it, I'm like, shit, that actually doesn't sound yeah, that bad. Fuck. You put it in my head, and now I want it. Because Tegan and Sarah would, na- like, they would absolutely crush Alkaline Trio. <laughs> Their performance with Alkaline Trio, and then the song they did with All Time Low, like, there's something about the quality of their voices and their vocal performances that lends itself well to the way that your average sort of pop punk vocal is performed, that, like, super, like, nasally voice. Right. I just, I really enjoyed the sound of of those two voices together, those three voices together. That fucking all-time low song, I listened to it like 10 times in a row the other day. (laughs) It's so good. There is one song on this album that they did perform on. I think it was Call It Off, I thought I saw. I think you're right, which is probably why I like that one so much. But come on, a Churches and Tegan and Sarah collab? Yeah, give me that. Put it in my ear holes. Like, record this. (laughs) Because they're clearly hearing this anytime we're just sending us signals. Yes. I want Haley Williams to come back and record a song that she can actually have some fun with. Take or leave Paramore, because I can kind of do that. She can sing. Haley Williams could sing. Like, you'd call it all we know is falling. Like, that first album? Yeah, it's so good. That's so good. That first album fucking rules. We may have to cover that one, because Emergency Alone, yeah. like, ugh. Like, that album like will low-key bring you to tears sometimes. And that's the first song on that album, right? They open with Emergency correct yeah between emergency pressure oh here we go again the drumming on that so good dang what happened (laughs) riot happened (laughs) she doesn't perform like their biggest single anymore because because it's fucking problematic as shit that's a tough spot like go figure your biggest single is the one that you won't sing and i'm pretty sure people at shows are like sing it right like i can't play it anymore it's like why not She's like, it's problematic. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'm 17. I don't understand. Granted, I can't be mad at that album because it also gave me, like, our rock band warm-up song, which was That's What You Get, and it's so much fun. Yeah. No, it's fucking problematic as Misery Business is. That song is fucking catchy as shit, and it bangs. Like, you know what, then? By all means, do an instrument to cover or read the lyrics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's a bitch, and it's fine, because that dude's a tool. Misery business. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. I want the... Okay, please record this. Like, I... Haley Williams, hit me up. I will rewrite your song. Yeah, just, you know what, then? Because bands have done that before. Well, they'll redo songs. Make it like Misery Business 2019. Then just, yeah. like, sing the entire song about how the original song was, was kind of messed up. And, and it's fine. Or, like, a sequel to it. Which yeah. is the same song, but, like, here's an update ten years later. Oh, actually, while we were talking, I did pull up the con cover artist announcement. This past winter, as the 10th anniversary of the con quickly approached, Sarah and I started to brainstorm meaningful ways to celebrate what was easily one of our most important records. Important not just because of the music or the elaborate way we approached recording it 10 years ago with Chris Walla. Important because it was the biggest leap we made in attempting to write a cohesive group of songs that told a painful and anxious story about our different relationships to loss, death, Love, compulsion, fear, letting go, and moving on. 
Indisputably, our most raw and intimate record, we wanted to ensure we created a new package that did justice to the layers of attachment that both we and our fans have had to the con. Almost immediately, we established that a tour playing all 14 songs and a more intimate stripped-down arrangement would be special and memorable to our diehard fans. But we also wanted a companion piece that would live on past the anniversary, hence the Con X covers album was born. From day one, we wanted the proceeds to go to our newly launched Tegan and Sarah Foundation, which raises money for self-identified women and girls in the LGBTQ community. With that intention set, we asked 14 artists who were either outspoken allies of the LGBTQ community to each cover a song from the con. We encouraged each artist to approach the song they were covering in any fashion they saw fit. The inspiration could come from the original record or the con demos. I forgot about the con demos, by the way. (laughs) Our first home recordings that were released after the con came out. All artists agreed to donate their time and energy to... The project and the labels all agreed to waive their fees as well. At the core of our planning was the hope that this new project would tell another chapter in the story that was the con. Music allows us to project our own stories, losses, and anxieties onto the melodies and words of someone else. It's a universal language that bonds people together from different worlds, countries, and experiences. Somehow, all these new covers managed to come together to add a new chapter to the con. We are beyond grateful to the contributions of each artist, and we hope fans of the con will be moved by interpretations. XO, Tegan, and Sarah. So, let's erase the half hour, the last half hour, because I feel like an asshole now. (laughs) It's not like we were slamming them because they chose to do, like, a charity for it or whatever. It's just that some of these aren't bad, they just feel incomplete. Yes, a lot of them. I mean, I do feel a little guilty, but... (laughs) I feel really fucking bad right now. I mean, I still mean it, but, like, knowing that these people donated, like, their time and their money towards a foundation that does really good work. But I think it still holds what we're saying, that it's still, like, how do you interpret something that was so direct? Yeah. Like, that'd be kind of like, if you wrote an album, and, like, you're spelling out everything that happened. Like, the Ashley Burgie that nobody knows is all just out there. The good, the bad, the indifferent. And then I'm like, oh, let me try to cover this. Those experiences aren't necessarily mine. Right. If I try to sing it in the exact same fashion that you did, it's like any cover. Like, the intent may not come through. Now, there have been covers where the cover somehow managed to be more meaningful than the original. Yes. Which is a rarity, but it happens. Yes. But it's such a, like, rare thing. So, I don't know. I just, I don't think that what you said or what I said regarding our, you know, our experience listening to it should change, but at least I know there was some good that came of it. Yeah. So Jealous would have been a much easier album to do something like this for. Because I could see someone like Cindy Lauper covering, like, Walking with a Ghost. Um, Cindy Lauper could cover that whole fucking album, and I would be there for it. Can we just be like Cindy Lauper in churches, just covering <laughs> This is 100% selfish because I just enjoy his voice and I enjoy the things that he does. Uh, Musically, uh, Bleachers, can you go ahead and give me your rundown version of that? And also Alkaline Trio, please and thanks. I find myself wondering, like with a lot of these, that they feel so unfinished. Like, did Haley Williams really sit down in like 15 minutes and just like bang this out for her friends? And if it is, then okay, it makes sense. 
Sorry, I bummed us all out. No, it's not. I was the one that read it. <laughs> I just needed some backstory as to, wait a minute, time the F out. What? So, Cindy Lauper's cover. Okay, so Cindy Lauper bleached uh, their cover of One Second. Vivek Shreya's cover of I Take All the Blame. And then uh, Miami still, I guess, which is the Tina Sour demo. Those were all, like, digital bonus tracks. Those aren't even on the original track listing. Interesting. Wait, Ryan Adams? Oh. <laughs> Speaking of problematic faves. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I do admit that I did, like, one Ryan Adams song, which was Fix It. But then, even listening to the lyrics of that recently, I'm like, yeah, shit. <laughs> we all should have known. Yeah, that definitely was not a surprise, but it's like, oof. I hate when that happens. God damn. And it's like, what were we thinking? You're fucking hiding in plain sight like that. Oh, no. Um, like, I, that, that was like, you know, when you started to peel away the layers of, like, Joss Whedon, and you'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yikes. All right, I'm not ending here. Fuck this. No, you gotta go. No. You gotta go up. Um, so, okay. You and I were talking. This is probably not the place to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, you and I were talking off air about how it would be fun to make um, some Spotify playlists to sort of go along with the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, for sure. I had an idea for a playlist which kind of goes with what we had been talking about. Um, I thought it would be fun to make a playlist of bands or songs that it would be cool to have Tegan and Sarah cover. Ooh. Okay, so basically they're unrelated songs that, like, if they could cover it... It would make me happy if they did so. Oh, that's a good one. Because I heard a specific song this afternoon that made me think, like, it would be really cool if they covered this song. And it could be, like, from anybody, right? Any genre? From anybody. This song has absolutely nothing to do with Tegan and Sarah. I'm totally down for that. That'd be badass. Can you think of one? My first pick I can think of is Cherry Lips. Oh, hell yeah. I am here for that. Crap, I have nothing else after that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do one an episode. You'll do one. I have one. And you and I can just kind of come up with one every episode and we'll just keep adding to the playlist. All right. Oh, that's a damn good idea. All right. So there we go. That's my first pick is Cherry Lips by Garbage because, oh my God. It's it's just enough outside of their wheelhouse to where they could do some interesting shit with it, but it's also not so foreign to where like it would be weird. And I feel like them switching up on like the chorus or the verses would be great. I want this cover. God, <laughs> see, why don't like see? And this is the only reason why I bummed out. I don't know them personally, just to call them. Hey, um, hey. can you guys? Call- hello, <laughs> <laughs> like, hello. I think the light would. Hello, die. hello, Tegan and or Sarah. <laughs> Um, so the song that made me think of this, and it's real weird, but follow my brain. It's a song called California Sunrise by Dirty Gold. It's a super hipstery sounding song that's got some some fun, like beachy elements to it. Okay. But it's real synthy and real poppy, and it's really great. I liked the idea of trying to figure out like what Tegan and Sarah would do with like surf rock. Ooh. Cause it's kind of what this song is, is it's like electro pop meets surf rock. I'm here for it. And it was just an idea that like, like I kept listening to, I listened to the song like three or four times in a row and just kind of kept thinking about it. So, so that's my pick. 
It's like, hey, any Tegan and Sarah satellites out there who can <laughs> somehow make this cover and not get sued by both? Give me <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, do you have great music abilities and also have, um, you know, moral ambiguity? Are you married or friends with a lawyer? <laughs> uh, bye. Bye. I was walking with the 